there, and welcome to the LGBTQ Plus STEM Cast, a podcast where we interview LGBTQ Plus scientists from different STEM fields from all over the world. I'm your host, Annabelle Gong, and in today's episode, we will be chatting with the one and only Darian Nguyen, the troublemaker behind the social media accounts lab shenanigans. Join us today as we talk all things science communication, LGBTQ+, Asian representation, and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Darian, what's up? Hey, nothing much. How are uh, you today? Doing well. I had my cup of Starbucks, my venti, frappuccino, caramel, crumble with two shots of espresso. So I feel good this morning. Oh my God, that's... <laughs> Sounds like a lot of caffeine and a lot of sugar, so always <laughs> hype. Stay hyped, you know. <laughs> that's literally what I thrive on. Like, that's in my blood. It's just nothing but coffee and espresso. <laughs> Sounds like student life, but... With a little dabble of stress. That's student life. Oh, right oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, walk me through your, like, professional background. What did you study? What did you research? Yeah, so... I graduated from the University of Texas at Austin in 2017, and I studied biochemistry and theater. I actually entered UT as a chemistry major, but I fell in love with a lot of the concepts that I learned in my general biology class. So my second year, I switched over to biochemistry. And then I was involved in a play my sophomore year, and that's when I realized, oh, I missed theater. Should I double major in theater? (laughs) Nah, I, at the time, I, I'm so embarrassed to say this, but at the time I was pre-med and <laughs> <laughs> I was pre-med and my focus at the time was, okay, I don't have time to quote unquote play around. So I don't have time to double major in theater. Let me just focus on my science courses. Despite thinking that I was still involved with a lot of theater organizations. And at the end of my sophomore year, I decided to add theater as my second major. But it was kind of a battle to get into that department because I had accumulated so many credits. And so theater advisor told me that I couldn't add theater as my second major because I wouldn't be able to graduate within four years. And UT had this strict policy on graduating within four years. So I petitioned and finally got into the department. And I don't know how, but I graduated within four years. And then within those four years, I was also heavily involved with research. Despite being a biochemistry major, I joined a neuroscience lab. At the time, this was like 2014, mental health was becoming huge and people were becoming more aware of it. And I was just very intrigued by the human brain. And so I was like, well, neuroscience. And the research project that I was focused on was about neuroplasticity and seeing how the brain heals itself after um, a traumatic injury. So we had these stroke-induced rat models where we would paralyze their dominant hands and then put them through this series of rehabilitative therapies. And we would see which rehabilitative therapy optimized the healing process. So I was involved with that research for three years. And then after I graduated, I kind of had a quarter-life crisis moment, if you will, (laughs) uh, where I realized, do I want to go to medical school? Definitely a PhD is in the picture. So do I want to go to grad school to get a PhD? Or do I want to go to med school to get an MD PhD? And me with everything, there's a lot of self-doubt. And I thought, like, am I even smart enough to go to med school? Am I even smart enough to go into grad school? How about this? Let me take a step back. 
let me gain more research experience because I didn't have any uh, papers to my name on it. And so I thought my next step is to try to get a paper published and then apply to medical school or grad school. But somewhere within that gap year or two, figure out if I want to go into med school or grad school. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, I worked as a research technician in Houston at Texas Children's Hospital under an MD-PhD principal investigator or PI. And I think that was one of the things that I was extremely grateful for working under an MD-PhD because she gave me a lot of perspective on what it feels like to go into med school and what it feels like to go into grad school. And she was more research oriented, so she was a little biased. So she was kind of pushing me to go to grad school and it worked. <laughs> Ultimately, I decided to not go into med school and go into grad school. So two years working in the lab, I worked on a really good project where I studied a human neurodevelopmental disorder called the hypotonia, ataxia, and delayed development syndrome. Whew. What is that? (laughs) Or H-A-D-D-S. It's a very rare neurodevelopmental disorder. And this disorder was discovered in 2017. So it's new. Like there aren't a lot of other groups that have studied this disorder. And so when I joined, my role was to study this disorder in a mouse model. And luckily I already worked with rodents from my previous lab. So working with mice wasn't that big of an issue. And I was just finding all these abnormalities in our mutant mice. And it led to me producing all this crazy amounts of data. And yeah, I decided to apply to grad school and my PI wrote me a good letter of recommendation, my PIs. And I received an offer from my dream neuroscience PhD program. And In the middle of me working as a research technician, I posted a lot of silly videos on my social media accounts under the name Lab Shenanigans. And from the name, you can guess that I uh, made a lot of shenanigan videos in lab. And that was really blowing up. And ultimately, I decided to turn that position down or that, uh, I guess, turn grad school down for now until... I'm ready to go back. But yeah, so that's pretty much my education and work history of science and theater. Yeah, I I mean, I remember when I first downloaded TikTok, everyone was talking about your videos. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, I followed you and I was like, your videos are so funny. And <laughs> like, they have just like this really bright energy to them that I feel like SciComm has been lacking until more recently. And I absolutely love that. So how did your like TikTok social media video career come to be? It sounds like it's just been like an accident really. You know, a lot of (laughs) things that recently have come my way, all these opportunities have been an accident. I like to say that my life is a hot mess and you just have to go with the flow and make the most of it. And with all of these videos that I made, it was just, me trying to decompress from lab and just have fun. It was really just a safe space for me to video dump all of my stress and yeah, just to have fun. And my initial content was, like I said earlier, just me making silly videos in lab, hence the name Lab Shenanigans. But eventually once I gained a large platform, I realized that I need to use it for good. 
kind of reminds me of Spider-Man, like with, with great power comes great responsibility. And I thought, well, like I'm making all this silly, funny content, but I want to make a bigger impact. How can I do that? Well, let me try leaning more educational content, but how am I going to do that? Hmm. And at the time, this was like summer of 2019 when TikTok was just emerging. Well, actually not emerging. It, it was changing from Musical.ly to TikTok and we oh, know. Musical.ly. Yeah. It was <laughs> and so just like other content creators who were starting around that time, we didn't take TikTok seriously because it still had that Musical.ly residue. And so we just downloaded it as a joke, like, okay, let's see where this is going to take us. And I guess I'm glad I had that mentality because it gave me free range to just explore and just play around and not really care about what people think because I, I guess, wasn't really self-conscious, but I was like, let me just kind of experiment with TikTok. And uh, for those that don't know, TikTok is a social media platform where you make like 30 second videos and there are all these different trends where you can dance. The more popular trends involve using a pop culture audio and lip syncing to the audio and applying that audio to a relatable situation or scenario. And when I joined, there wasn't a lot of science content. And so I thought, well, instead of applying these lyrics to a situation or scenario, let me try applying it to a biology or biochemistry concept. And the first video that I did that was, I guess, educational and science related was me using this audio clip from Dance Moms. And I don't remember the specific lines, but I remember there's a line in that audio where one of the moms said, you're standing in a line in front of the door. And I thought, okay, standing in a line. Hmm, what process involves standing in a line? Oh, metaphase, mitosis, when all the chromosomes line up, let me do that. And I made that video as a joke. I didn't think too much about it. I made the video, posted it, closed the app, didn't open the app until like three or four days later found out I had gained 19,000 followers uh, from that one video. <laughs> yeah, and so- A lot of nerds out there. Mind blown. And that gagged me because I thought, okay, like you get on a social media app to get away from school. The last thing you want to do is learn from a video. So that's when I realized, okay, maybe I might be onto something. And I just kept doing that for the next coming months. And my channel has exponentially grown from making that type of content. And I just kept making more educational content. And that's the direction that I'm wanting to go in to make more fun and educational science content. Yeah, and I'm sure that your theater background really helps you in like being comfortable in front of a camera. I know a lot of like people are camera shy. So that's yeah. super awesome. You know, growing up, I've always made short videos <laughs> and my personality now isn't too different from when I was little. If anything, I guess my quirky traits are a little accentuated now, but I've always made short video content and I've always, to be frank, liked attention growing up and... <laughs> Okay, from a true theater kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, like my initial theater days of just like me wanting attention, being a little pretentious, a little arrogant, but reality and life gave me a slap in the face to be more humble. But growing up, I loved attention and I've always just tried to 
put myself out there somehow. And so I made all these like videos for projects and I would always go all out for my like fifth grade science poster presentations. I would go all out for those as well. And when I got my first camera, same thing. Like I just made all these short videos, but I never posted them online. And so I guess the reason why I am not as camera shy is because it just took a lot of practice over the years. And, you know, with me getting a better camera quality now, I'm beginning to realize like, okay, wow, like, like I'm a little ugly, but two. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, no. Okay, like my, my face is so. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm becoming like less and less camera shy now that I'm like making more and more videos. <laughs> but like, I feel like also, you know, as Asian Americans, we don't really see ourselves on TV either. And right. that's like, I feel like that had a huge impact on how I saw myself as like someone who is in front of the camera did you feel any of that like kind of self-consciousness when you would film yourself and see yourself no actually I think if anything it's the complete opposite where I and I didn't realize this at the time but growing up you don't see a lot of Asian American actors or scientists on TV and so you know for me I just wanted to be like them which meant looking like them. So dressing more Western and trying to act more white. And I guess as I grew up and I matured a bit more and I realized like, okay, there isn't a lot of Asian representation on TV. And now that I'm making my own content, I am more proud because I feel like I'm standing out and that for those that don't see other Asian American or just Asians on social media, like I am, trying to represent our community. And so I never really thought twice. If anything, I felt, I feel proud producing all of my content and posting it up. But yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like there was a pressure for you while you were growing up to like pursue STEM? Or do you still feel that pressure as like a science communicator in STEM being Asian? (laughs) I know that there's like a huge stereotype surrounding that. Well, Yes, my parents would kind of nudge us to go into STEM. (laughs) And my older brother was wanting to become a nurse for a short period of time and then realized that he didn't like blood. So uh, when he went to college, he actually switched over to accounting and now he's an accountant. Uh, And so I think because he switched over, there was kind of a higher pressure me to go into STEM but I ultimately decided to go into STEM not because of my parents. I have just innately always been interested in science and STEM. I've always been curious not only with my own sexuality but with just like life. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah so even though there was this pressure for my parents to go into STEM I actually got into it because of my own free will. I feel that way too. I was kind of the same way even though I didn't really get that much pressure from like my family or anything it always felt like there was some sort of like looming societal pressure to yes as an Asian person (laughs) do you think that k-pop anime and other east asian culture has influenced this wave of east asian american popularity oh yes okay yes but i also think it's coupled with um asian fetishization now that I'm thinking BTS, like BTS is huge. And I'm 
Loki kind of ashamed that I had to bring up BTS, but <laughs> <laughs> but I am beginning to love BTS and I'm beginning to appreciate K-pop even a bit um, more. Yeah. And I think with that and with TikTok, TikTok, in my opinion, maybe I'm a little biased, has been a really good area for minority content creators to really get on board. And also TikTok has a really good algorithm where it shares everyone's content equally, where anyone can quote unquote make it. And so I think there has been a lot of Asian content creators since 2007, in my opinion. But oh, I yeah, think, like Ryan Higa. But I think now they're becoming more visible because of platforms like TikTok and YouTube, now that YouTube's becoming even more popular. So, you know, K-pop, anime, and I think it's becoming more mainstream and more popular, similar to how like RuPaul's Drag Race is also becoming more mainstream and more popular. It's definitely a double-edged sword because like on the one hand, you have like all this really great visibility on TikTok, but at the same time, as I've like delved into TikTok, because I'm more of like a watcher than I am like a creator on TikTok. Yeah. I also feel like when I do make content, which is like very rare, I have all of these like K-pop stands coming into my follows and I'm like, what's going on? Like, is my look a trend now? And are people like fetishizing me? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's frustrating where I'll have scientists even message me about like being Asian and kind of just like embracing my, I guess, Asian-ness in STEM, but also it's borderline fetishizing sometimes where they'll ask like, oh, so do you happen to like watch anime? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I actually do not like anime. If anything, I like Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon design. <laughs> but I think there's like this assumption that like when you're Asian, they associate other Asian qualities and characteristics and they attribute it to, to you. Yeah, and it's like, I'm assuming you're not Japanese either based on your last name, like. <laughs> They yeah. kind of lumped everyone together into like one whole East Asian category. Right, right. And like, I'm not Korean, so I'm not like a K-pop star or anything. Sorry. I think we might be heading in a good direction, but it's just baby steps because it took us so long to stop saying, oh, so like, where are you from? No, but like, where are you from from? <laughs> I still and, like we're I feel like we're still dealing with that battle. It's so yeah, like prominent still. True. And I think with us and the younger generation, we're definitely more vocal about calling people out on that. And I think before we used to be very held back where there is this idea that Asians are reserved and we're shy and we we don't say anything, we don't talk back to our elders. But I think with us, the younger generation, I think we're doing a good job of calling people out on that. Yeah, for sure. I think like your work and this wave of Asian creators also kind of goes against that like model minority myth as we call it, where yeah. kind of going against the grain of not being outspoken or being really shy behind the camera kind of a thing and actually yeah. putting yourself out there, which is so cool. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I put myself out there too much. <laughs> I mean, you interviewed your past crushes, so. Yeah. 
which was it was a fun video to do and i'm very thick-skinned when it comes to like calling out on my negative physical traits because i don't know like i love myself and i know what i look like i don't care but i think some of the more uh, personal comments that sung just a little bit were the ones that talked about my personality one of my crushes i think he's like the last person i interviewed said something along the lines of yeah i just think that you're too positive sometimes where it can kind of go into toxic positivity where you can gloss over huge issues because you're just trying to put a huge smile on your face. And I thought, okay, you might have a point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Damn, but it's, more, it's more of a, it's more of a me thing where I just try to be a general, like positive person. And I do take issues seriously, but I'm going to show it, but I'm not going to publicly show it. And I feel like that's also kind of a trait within the whole like model minority myth is that yeah. we try to make everything seem okay and keep our feelings to ourselves, which is also yeah. like kind of a whole upbringing in Asian communities too, I guess, kind of thing. That's so true. Yeah. Now that I think about it, you know, with my family, whenever there was an issue, we never really talked about it. We just kind of let it subside. And then our way of saying, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings is to like bring you a cup of fruit or <laughs> to change the conversation and just pretend that nothing has happened. And that's definitely something that we should kind of slowly change. Yeah. It's always the fruit. I don't know what it is about like Asian moms and their fruit. They just yes. love it. <laughs> So now as we're seeing like more East Asian representation, more East Asian creators on like TikTok, you got like Newt and like those people who cook and the like K-pop people. Yes. What are your views on seeing more Asian American creators or East Asian like pop figures, I guess, too? I definitely love it. Like it's something that I wish I grew up with. I think the moment that I really felt proud, not only seeing Asian science content creators, but seeing more Asian actors on TV was the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Like that, which was released in what, 2018? That you auditioned for? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, okay, so I'm, I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to backtrack. <laughs> so this was, <laughs> this was my senior year in college. And I saw a post on Facebook. Actually, I didn't see it. My friends were tagging me in it. It was from the, the director. I forget who the director is. But I know he's directing In the Heights right now. Yeah. He posted this open casting call and all my friends were just tagging me in it. Oh, they were like, and Asian who does theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and here's another gag. Uh, within the theater department, there's like about 200 or so students. And there are only two Asian students. And I was one of them. Um, the other Asian student was a dancer. Anyway, so uh, my friends tagged me in this post and all you have to do is go to the website, download one of the scripts and perform it. It's about three minutes. And then you say an interesting fact about yourself. And then you post it on YouTube with this hashtag. Posted the video and I legitimately thought that I was gonna get cast. I don't know why. Like there were thousands of people auditioning. And for some crazy reason, I thought maybe I might be that lucky person. And so even though I was like, I was planning for my gap year to really focus on research, but a small part of me was like, 
maybe if I get casted, you know, it'll, it'll work in my benefit because I am already taking a gap year. So it's not like I'm dedicating the next couple of years for grad school or medical school. So it'll work. Yeah. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> anyway, back to the question. Yes. That movie, Crazy Rich Asians, which I unfortunately did not get casted in. Um, <laughs> you would have been great in it. I would have absolutely loved you in it. <laughs> I don't know who you would play, but imagine it would be Ollie. Imagine the game one. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, Rachel, I love you, girl. <laughs> I got to show you to my family back in Singapore. <laughs> it's like, I love you so much, Rachel. I've been in love with you. It's like the oddest, like. <laughs> like did they cast the right Nick because he seems a little and for yeah. those that are not watching this video I'm I'm putting my wrist down <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that movie made me really appreciate and really like love myself even more and appreciate how there's more Asian representation in the media and then after TikTok emerged there was a real big push for inclusivity and diversity and so I'm seeing more African-American content creators, more Asian content creators. And yeah, being a part of this community has been amazing. I'm always amazed by seeing how other content creators make their stuff, especially Newt. Newt's, I don't know if you follow him, but oh yeah, I love Newt so freaking much. My friend's in love with him. <laughs> Here's the thing, how he is online is actually how he is in real life. I've been, oh, really? in, yeah, I've been in a couple of uh, Zoom calls with him. I say a couple, I've only been in one. What am I saying? Uh, <laughs> and he is just so naturally funny and I love him. Oh my gosh. If you want, I could ask him, if you want to interview him for this podcast, I can try reaching out to him. Is he in STEM? Oh, no. Is he LGBTQ? <laughs> No. Oh, <laughs> do you want to hear a funny story about Newt? It's just me sliding into Newt's DMs. Oh, <laughs> yes. I want to hear it. <laughs> okay. so <laughs> You're always posting him on your stories. <laughs> so this is like when I first found out about Newt, I followed him on Instagram and I said something along the lines of like, you're really cute. And obviously he did not reply back. <laughs> a couple months later, TikTok invited us to a Zoom call meeting where they invited specific uh, Asian content creators and they wanted our feedback about the platform. And Newt was in that call along with V Lung and um, Our Fire. I don't know if you know them. And yeah, they just asked for our opinion and feedback. And then I ended up following all of them. And then I also posted a boomerang of the Zoom call meeting on my story and I tagged them. And then Nuke replied back and said, like, thank you or something. And then I realized, oh, oh <laughs> ago, I slid into his DMs. Oh my gosh, like, he obviously saw my message. So immediately I unsent that message and <laughs> I sent an apology message. And I said, I'm so sorry if you read that first. You were just a very attractive guy. You know, <laughs> and he said, no, you're so funny. Don't worry about it. Sorry, I'm not gay, but I support the LGBT community. I'm like, okay, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, totally unrelated, but I just had to throw that out there. God. Better be careful which celebrities I, I slide into them. <laughs> never know. You never know when I might end up like in a Zoom call with them or something. <laughs> Watch like I go through like our conversation history and then you're like, Darian, you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not my type. Believe me. <laughs> 
actually had to search like quite a long time. I don't know. I had to like dig through your feed to like actually confirm that you were gay. I was like, I don't want to make assumptions. I just want to find one post where you like say explicitly that you identify with the LGBTQ community. I, I love that. I guess for me, I always thought that it was obvious. And so there was no need for me to tell the audience, my followers, like, hey, guys, I'm gay. And then everyone's <laughs> like, we know, stop. <laughs> and everyone's like, wow, shocker. We didn't know that. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I support you. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we did not know from all your videos of you dressing up in one gown and making seven different looks from it. What? <laughs> We totally didn't know because you are a theater kid. Oh my God. True. Here's another story. I've had my heart broken so many times from theater boys because I thought that, yeah, I know. Yeah. I thought they were gay. No, they're just into theater. (laughs) They exist, I guess. Yes, Yes. Was theater like a pretty formative part of you coming out and like coming to terms with your identity? No, I, hmm, no, no. And when I came out, I tried not to make it that big of an issue just because I felt like it's such a huge part of me that I didn't feel, I don't know. I just wanted to be like a normal toned down conversation as if I'm like telling my friend, hey, I'm wearing a red shirt. Oh, okay, cool. What are we eating for lunch? And that's kind of how all my conversations with my close friends went. And I'm sure that they knew about it too. And with my family, I actually have not come out to my mom yet, but I'm sure she knows. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she knows. And there's definitely gossip within our family of like, oh, is Darian, you know, is he he gay? And I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) And if they ask me directly, I'll, I'll tell them, but yeah. there haven't really been any conversations about that. But with all the cousins uh, and my brother, they all know, and they're super duper supportive. But yeah, I don't think theater was definitely a huge part of my coming out story. If anything, theater has really allowed me to just be open and be myself. So actually, no, can I retract my answer? Because maybe, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, uh, I guess, yeah, yes. The answer is yes. Theater has really allowed me to be free, just be myself. Same, same. I feel like that's kind of what allowed me to explore my identity was yeah. like through theater being a different character, just like letting go of what people thought of you for those like few moments and stuff. But you, you know what really allowed me or who allowed me to really be myself? It was my former lab members from my undergrad lab. And I joined that lab because I was interested in neuroscience, but all the guys in that lab were queer, gay, part of the LGBT community. And our lab manager loved going to drag shows. And yeah, and I kind of dabbled into drag race, RuPaul's Drag Race. And I was like, okay, this show is really cool. I love the competitive nature of the show and seeing how drag queens get into makeup and costumes, all that, that's amazing. And she invited me to a couple of shows with the lab and it was a really good bonding moment. And that's when I really loved drag. And that's when I was like completely open and super comfortable with myself. And eventually I 
got into drag myself and oh my god yeah and I, I don't publicly talk about it but my senior year especially the summer after my senior year I was involved with drag and I would always dress up always put myself in makeup and my first drag name which was really not good was Dairy Queen and, <laughs> which is so unoriginal and I was getting dragged by the other drag queens in the Austin area so I switched my name from Dairy Queen to Miss Margaret Moon. Ooh. And so my Miss Margaret, the lab manager, is based off of that drag persona. I don't know if you keep up with uh, my Instagram stories, but I would always dress up every now and then, like put on a wig and put on this Brooklyn accent. I don't know why. Margaret uh, has been smoking for 32 years and she, she talks like this sometimes. And um, she always complains about the undergrads in the lab. I don't know why. And yeah, so that's where Miss Margaret, that's where that persona came from because of me being super open and getting into drag and turning into Miss Margaret Moon. Oh my gosh. Wow. What a story. (laughs) I love that. So are you vocal about your like LGBTQ plus advocacy on your like public platforms and stuff? Are you just an advocate in general, like on your social media platforms? Yeah. So I am wanting to, once again, trying to use my platform for good. And so I am trying to become more of an advocate and especially on YouTube where I do talk about a lot of papers and findings and in one video where I interviewed my former crushes, (laughs) and ask them to list out all my attractive and unattractive qualities. I briefly spoke on the heteronormative perspective of research, where I I hate it when research papers use the terms like masculine and feminine, because it's such a vague term and everyone defines masculinity and femininity differently. And it's obviously a societal construct. So I am trying to use my platform a little bit more And just like with my more educational content where I don't directly make educational content, I kind of put up this wall of like, okay, let me make this content entertaining, sprinkle some educational content and hopefully make the viewer realize like, oh, wow, this is funny, but wait, I think I learned something. And so I try to do that with my social media platforms too, where it's like, yeah, this is funny, wait, I think I just learned more about like research and how it is very cis and very heteronormative. But yeah, I'm trying to be more vocal. I am a little bit more vocal on my Instagram stories and sometimes on Twitter, but that's another area that I'm really trying to focus in on. I feel like you did a really good job with that in your like Omega video, just showing like what kind of discrimination you you had. Yeah, so exactly. The video itself might seem funny, but it's also, I, I it was like an eye-opener for other non-Asian and non-LGBT people to like realize, oh, wow, like we do face some hardships, not only like in person, but also on the internet, more so on the internet, because these kids think that they can get away and that there's really no repercussions when they say all these things and just like exit, but it's very damaging. And I just wanted to show people that in a very mildly fun type of way. Yeah, for sure. 
So as we're wrapping up here, I know that you have a merch store that we can plug right now. I bought my friend Michelle some some merch for Christmas. Hey Michelle, hey girl. But you were telling me earlier that you actually design all of your merch. Is that correct? Or most yeah. of your merch? So, okay, uh, funny backstory. So when I was taking theater, this was my senior year. I wanted to take some courses to just fulfill my upper division theater credits. And all the courses that I wanted were already filled up. So the remaining courses were voice acting. I guess I'll sign up for that. Photoshop and Illustrator. I guess I'll take that. And there was one class that was for projection design. So we focused a lot on Adobe After Effects. I was really not interested in these courses, but I, just, I needed to take them. And I took them and I actually fell in love with all these classes. And everything that I learned in my Photoshop and Illustrator courses have helped me a lot, especially with me making these merch designs. And yeah, I create 99% of the designs on the website and it's all because of that class. If I did not take that class, I probably would spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos and getting frustrated. But yeah, so I learned a lot of things from those courses and a lot of my editing skills from that projection design class. So yeah. Very cool. And the merch is very cute. So be sure to check that out, listeners. <laughs> I have a shirt. I, I'm on the website now. You I'm apparently are. getting another piece of merch for my birthday. Not sure which one it is, but my friend was like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, it means a lot that you love the designs. Ah, so another thing that we talked about was just how like my social media started out kind of by accident because it was a dumping ground for all of my silly videos. My merchandise was also started out by accident and I really wasn't intending it to stay up for long, but I kept it up for what, a year and two months now. And I'm also trying to be more inclusive with the merch items on my website. And there aren't a lot of like LGBT science merch out there. And so I definitely want to use this platform once again to just kind of raise awareness and be more inclusive and have more diverse merch. Yeah. One of the first things that I noticed when I first like visited your merch page was that it was all women like figures in your merch, which was something that I've never seen before. And I love that. Like you have like hijabi women pipetting. I think that's like super awesome. You have that Rosalind Franklin one, super cool. And I love this like sprinkle of activism in your merch store. So yeah, it just goes back to like, when I try to do something, I don't tackle it like head on, but I do it kind of subconsciously, if that makes sense. Subliminal, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Subliminal. <laughs> I was like, submissive. I was like, that's not the right <laughs> word. <laughs> I got you, I got you. Well, I think that this basically concludes our interview. Did you have any like social media that you wanted to plug? Obviously there's a ton of places to find you. You know, so if you guys want to follow me, feel free to follow me at lab underscore shenanigans on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. On Facebook, it's actually lab period shenanigans because you can't add the underscore. I don't know why. So huh. yeah, feel free to follow me guys. Yeah, well- 
Thank you so much, Darian, for speaking with me today. I had such a fun time. Huge fan of your work in the SciComm world and your merch, obviously. <laughs> wow, thank you so much. I love talking to you. You're so fun. Oh my and God. I had such a good time. Thank you. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> And once again, folks, that was Darian Nguyen. Thank you so much, Darian, for speaking with me today, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LGBTQ STEMcast or support us financially on our Patreon and Coffee. You can find the links to all of these on our link tree at linktr.ee slash LGBTQ STEMcast. If you yourself are an LGBTQ plus identifying STEM professional, we want to hear from you too. Check out our pinned tweet to fill out our interest form if you want to be on our show. Once again, I want to thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the STEMcast next week.